This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. I'm, I'm very connected to food, so we got, I got really fat during the project. <laughs> <laughs> because every time that yeah. we get there, there was this generosity, not only the generosity of sharing the stories, but the generosity of sharing the food and the uh, culture. Yeah. Kia ora koutou. Afio mai, welcome to So Many Stories, a show brought to you by Ngākete Wānanga or Ōtautahi Christchurch City Libraries. I'm Shannon. And I'm Namita. And in this episode, we take you shoreside to enjoy just a couple of our cosy coastal libraries. That's right. Tomorrow marks the start of Sea Week 2022, and in order to celebrate it, we head first to New Brighton Library and then to Batuku Takotako Samna Centre. This episode is all about cherishing the special place we share here in the South Pacific and the ways in which the sea connects us to others. It really is an episode about communities, their generosity and their resilience through times of change and crisis and the role that libraries play in bringing people together. So without further ado, let's travel now to New Brighton Library, where we sat down with Razi Syed and Janeth Gill to discuss the Immigrant Journeys project. So I'm Janeth Gill. I'm a social documentary photographer, and I was mainly the photographer working with John Selwood in, and, of course, Razi and Hafsan, uh, uh Immigrant Journeys. I'm Razi Adin Syed. Um, originally, I came from India in 2007. We, my wife and I, both came as, as like students. Uh, but she studied first, and then I started working for Inland Revenue. So, after you had settled here with your wife Hafsa, you were inspired to set up a trust called the Lady Khadija Trust. Who was Lady Khadija, and why did you choose her name for your trust? Um, so uh, Lady Khadija was uh, Prophet's uh, first wife, um, and she was also quite charitable. Um, she was quite rich uh, when she got married. She was one of the um, elite people of Arabia at the time, and they used to say that she had like three different doors uh, to her house, and uh, nobody returned empty-handed uh, when they went to her place. Um, and so, yeah, she gave in. Uh, she gave a lot um, in her lifetime um, to 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 a lot of people, uh, and we thought we should honor her. And how did the project or the idea of immigrant journeys come about? So after the attack, you know, we were just really sh- shocked. Um, and our friends Matthew and Sharon, they were quite saddened, and obviously, like. Like most people, nobody knew what to do and how to react and, and, and uh, you know, what were the next steps. Uh, nobody understood. So they just came over to meet us and we got to talking. Even though it's like officially known and, um, and, and, and sort of widely understood that, you know, immigrants bring a lot of things here and um, a lot of skilled workers are needed here in the economy 
to do all these things and uh, you know they go through a stringent process of getting selected uh, it's not that easy and it's not that cheap um, and so we thought you know in all this um, we should do something to to sort of showcase you know and we we were quite curious ourselves too to to understand you know what kind of immigrants come here where do they come from what are they doing maybe this is a good time for you Jenna to tell us about how you got involved and about the project um how I got involved i was very lucky because um Razia and Hafsa accepted me and I wanted to work with me um i always liked to work in terms with photographing people but also telling stories that give us some um ways or give us tools actually to promote social change, positive social change, but mainly social cohesion. Working with John Selwood was, was incredible, was, was magic, because he has these ways of telling and asking questions and connecting to people. And sometimes it's quite hard working with photographs and video, uh, photography and videography at the same time. But somehow we connect and we... Um, make it work and we complemented each other. So while he was asking people about their stories, I was trying to portray these stories visually and we could help each other in that way. So you've created, so you, you and John had this beautiful working relationship where you're able to complement each other um, and work alongside. So it sounds like you've captured some very special um, images and videos. So, where, what have you done with those? Where are they going to go now? Yeah, so those uh, videos and those photographs, uh, John uh, created a mixture between the videos and the photographs in his video work. So, all the incredible voices and stories of people were complemented with photographs of uh, emotion and between them and what is ha- was happening and their objects and their, their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, one thing. And the other thing, well, we are create, We have a huge body of work uh, of photographs, approximately a 1,000 photos in total, where we are showing their environments, their photographs, their objects, the significance of their object, objects from different uh, parts of the world. So we not only have the videos with photographs, but we also have photographs that tell also further stories of what the videos tell us. I think that would be really taking it, you know, through these objects and stuff. Cultural artifacts is really interesting too. Mm. And, and food as well. Yeah. And, and I noticed oh. something. What, what, there is some similarities about people, food in Africa and people, food in Colombia. My yeah. best favourite food in Colombia was given to me by one of our participants from Africa. And I had no idea. And they even told me where to buy it, which I had no idea. And things like that, we are so similar that we had no idea what we can find. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, There are so many stories and so many things we saw. We we saw people dancing, playing different instruments, yoga, the yoga, the yoga, but not the yoga as you know it. The yoga with, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I hope you go and have a look at what the yoga means. Um, because it's, it's, it's just incredible show of strength and power and different objects that they use to create this yoga. So, I, yeah, I leave it there as a teaser. Um, 
I'm, I'm very connected to food, so we got, I got really fat during the project. <laughs> <laughs> because every time that yeah. we get there, there was this generosity, not only the generosity of sharing the stories, but the generosity of sharing the food and the yeah. culture. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were hugs. We were allowed to hugs at that time. There were hugs. There were, there were tears. Mm. Um, there were laughter. And we learned so much. I personally feel privilege uh, that all of the participants share so much uh, with us and that Hafsan Razi and the Ministry of Ethnic Communities and the Rasta Foundation made this happen. Yeah. Um, it's a privilege to, to be told stories like that and to be part of, of the journey. Yeah. And that was our conversation with Razi and Janeth about the upcoming exhibition at Turanga Library called Immigrant Journeys that will be available to view from March 10th to May 16th. There's more information on the Christchurch City Library's website as well as the immigrantjourneys.org.nz website. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to talk to Razi and Janeth at New Brighton Library. And we're going to hear now from a couple of staff members who work at New Brighton Library too. So take it away, Iona and Dan. Kia ora. Uh, my name is Iona and I am a community librarian here at New Brighton Library. Brilliant. And what do you get to do as part of your role? So aside from uh, contributing to uh, working with customers uh, in the library, like the library assistants do, my job also involves delivering uh, some programs, uh, planning, delivering, and so, for example, Baby Times and Story Times, which happens in all the libraries all around uh, the city. And uh, I also get to host school visits. I've been out to schools. Um, COVID certainly uh, taught us some new uh, ways of doing things uh, in that space. Um, supporting uh, digital literacy of customers and uh, some professional development for staff. We've got some technology here like 3D printers, uh, vinyl cutters, badge makers, and so we want to get everyone up to speed around that. Um, A couple of the programs which we have recently introduced because of some of the equipment that we have um, are some open creative times. So one on the weekend and one after school, and I'm in charge of the after school one. In the adult area, aside from offering, uh, I think there's a Scrabble group that turns up fairly casually. Um, We have a book group once a month um, that uh, one of our former staff members continues to be involved with. That's very popular. And um, our SAGO group. So SAGO is the affectionate term. It stands for Steady As You Go. Um, Aged Concern started it. Um, It's Gentle Exercise for Falls Prevention. Wow. So obviously as we get older, and I'm heading in that direction, um, is that uh, it's a good chance to uh, do some sitting exercises, some gentle standing, walking around exercises, to a pre-recorded session where uh, the voice takes you through uh, all these things. Um, And it's a fantastic way for a group of our seniors to come together and not only get that exercise, and they've told me that um, when they miss a week, uh, they really notice it. So it is really important to them. And, of course, there's a social aspect to to it as well. So um, one of the other programs, which is an after-school program, um, is called Reading to Dogs. And uh, this is a program that started, I think it's been in New Zealand for quite a number of years now, 
but Catherine, who works here, she was um, key in getting that started. So this is a good uh, example of collaboration between council units or council um, functions. So um, it's the animal management uh, team that bring along their own dogs. Um, they bring, uh, they, they, they're trained, they bring them in and get them used to the library. And so over the course of an hour, there are four 15-minute sessions where uh, any child can uh, come, they book in, um, and they get a one-on-one session with the dog. Wow. The handler is there as well, obviously, for the, the safety and things around uh, the interaction with the dog. Um, a, st- a library staff member is also present um, just to uh, help facilitate that. Um, but as a chance, um, well, let's answer the question, why would you read to a dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the dog sits there and doesn't judge you, doesn't mm. tell you you got it wrong, uh, doesn't correct you, doesn't tell you to go faster, um, it doesn't interrupt. Um, <laughs> it's a chance to, particularly to read aloud, which is a skill which is quite important to do and it helps um, support confidence of children with their reading. Kia ora, um, my name's Daniel Reddy and um, I'm a library assistant at New Brighton Library. I don't know, I don't even like, I don't like staying within the confines of the role. I feel like it felt a bit rigid in the past and like people like you'd have, it's all about books and stuff. Books are cool, that's, that's well, but um, it's also, you know, about the people. We're here to like serve them and the best way that I could do it was like, you know, um, what we've got here is just, just doing Manaki a lot and um and helping people with everyday things. Mm. So I spend a lot of my time, uh, you know, helping people with their jobs, getting jobs, listening to, like like I'm like a bartender without the alcohol, you know? Like, yeah. just be out there around the nooks. And that's another cool thing about it is, like, I find the feng shui really good. Mm. Like, when I went out to different libraries, I'd always be like, oh, too open. I feel too exposed. And how would the person feel like that? But it's cool when you have a bit of, bit of both, a bit of everything. So I don't know. Um, the role, you know, it's about helping people. I look after the art wall over there. Mm. So it's uh, just a, some panels, uh, some panels above the cubby holes in the pretty much a, one of the centerpiece. If you look up there now, you can see some portraits like of Elvis, Jesus, and uh, Muldoon, and many others. <laughs> It might be a first reference point to an exhibition that someone's done, you know. You might get a mm. youngster. Like if I see a youngster drawing in the corner, I'll be like, mm. oh, you know. <laughs> and um, then, you know, we chuck them up on the website. They can say a bit about themselves and, you know, it's cool. It's good to build everyone's confidence. So great to hear from Iona and Dan. Actually, in my first week with Christchurch City Libraries, I was lucky enough to sit in on one of Dan's programs uh, at New Brighton Library, Cafe and Korero, which is a kind of informal you know, group that meets over a hot drink to learn and improve their uh, reo Māori. That's awesome. Um, now let's head over to Mātuku Takotako Sumner Centre, where we're going to meet Annie, who will then introduce her other colleagues and talk about all things Sumner Centre. Kia ora koutou. My name is Annie McIntyre and I'm the Associate Team Leader of Mātuku Takutaku Sumner Library Centre. I want to begin by giving a brief history of the Sumner Library 
and the amazing community support and involvement it took to establish the library service in the area. Sumner became part of Christchurch City in 1945. For the previous 114 years, the local community ran the library until it joined Canterbury Public Library in 1997. Mātuku Takutaku Summer Library Centre was built after the Christchurch earthquake and opened on Saturday the 19th of August in 2017. It is a community centre that houses the library, Sumner Museum, the Sumner Bays Union Trust and the Sumner Theatre Company. This reflects the ongoing community spirit and involvement from the people in the area. Our library is open seven days a week, 10 to 6 Monday to Friday and 10 to 4 on weekend days. Our weekly programming includes Wapipi and Story Times and an after-school activity program on Thursdays. Currently under the red traffic light level, these programs are not offered. However, Christchurch City Libraries is offering digital programs, which are accessible via our website. We also host a Justice of the Peace clinic every Saturday from 10 to 12. This is ongoing and available. Sumner Bay's Trust every Monday runs a tea and talk from 10.30 to 11.30. It's a social morning tea with coffee and snacks. People can come and spend time chatting with other members of the community and everyone is most welcome. Matuku Takutaku Sumner Library Centre has bookable spaces for the community to use. Pua Ora Nuku is a large hall and stage. Puara Raki Pariroa are two small meeting rooms and we also have a kitchen. We have regular bookings from groups providing dance, education and workshop events after school evenings and weekends. We welcome feedback and ideas on what the community would like to see at Matuku Takutaku Samna Library Centre. I'd just like to welcome Matakiwi Wakefield, uh, Kai Takawanga Māori Library Services, to share with us uh, about the cultural narrative of Matuku Takutaku Samna Library Centre. Kia ora Matakiwi, um, welcome. Can you uh, just tell us um, uh, some information around where the name Matuku Takutaku came from? Sure, so Matuku Takutaku is a Kaitahu dialectural name. Um, it's also known as Matuku Tangotango, which is what it's known up north. Um, the origins of the name comes from the um, oral traditions of Tafaki, um, and it recalls uh, several events that were held or that occurred. Matuku um, Takotako itself, the na- or the creature, I suppose, is, is the best way of explaining it. Um, was seen as what I suppose Western society would call a goblin. Um, he performed a couple of undesirable feats, uh, which eventually led to his death. Um, so the name Matuku Takotaku at one level is, is sometimes associated with ill omens. Um, it's usually It can be used as a warning that something undesirous has happened in an area um, but in this case it was a name that was given to the Sumner beach area um, and also related to a cave up on the hill. Uh, interesting enough the original Matuku Takotaku uh, lived in a cave um, and the names that were given to the two rooms here in or three rooms sorry mm. of within here in um, the building actually recalls um, the places which are 
uh, Puoro Nuku, Puoro Raki, um, which were a set of islands, um, and they were seen as um, one was male and one was female, the Nuku being the female, the Raki being the male. Um, and when we talked with Tamari Norlinahan, who was actually the uh, consultant for this, the Mana Whenua consultant, um, his whakaro around it was like Puro Nuku uh, was about giving life to. And this, the reason the name was given to the biggest space was that it was seen to be the place where uh, life is given to performance and arts. So it would be run in line then that Puorunuku would be the name of the big space. And of course, Puoruraki is the smaller room that's attached to it. When the wall's taken away, it gives life to this space as well as one um, complete space. The meeting room behind Puorunuku is known as Pariroa which is a bluff that was located on these two islands. And this is where um, Matuku Takotako actually lived, his cave was. Now, uh, Matuku Takotako was also significant within weaving, uh, particularly tukutuku, because it's the um, knot that we use when we're securing uh, the, the um, fenu, if you like, the, the uh, strands together. Um, it's known as Tehiri a Matuku Takotako or Tehiri o Matuku Tango It's a double noose knot, um, so it's very secure. And um, it was actually that particular noose that was um, led to the demise of the original Matuku Takotako. Um, the beautiful thing about this library is that a lot of the artwork in it is comes from Fane Robinson. Mm. Um, it has really beautiful connections to the environment. So it's based on the Mahinga Kai, so it highlights um, the bird life, sea life, and um, basically encompasses everything within this area. Um, and it's really beautiful in how he has uh, created these little plaques around the building where you can do... Um, we call it crayon, uh, pencil etching, but... It's like rubbings, isn't it? Yeah, the rubbings, mm. and really beautiful, mm. you know, and it, it, I find that it's, um, it helps kids understand different patterns and how they, they join together, and um, they're quite... The thing I like, too, is the placement of them, mm. um, which is quite special here in this library, in that it's like an, um, uh, a scavenger hunt, mm. So, you you know, there's all these neat little surprises waiting for you when you visit here. Uh, kia ora. we're just um, back again for another section of our podcast about Matuku Takutaku Samna Library Centre. I'd like to take uh, this time to introduce Emma Johnson, who is one of my colleagues uh, at the library. Just following on from Matakiwi's um, talk about the building and the outdoor and indoor flow, uh, Sumner community is such a big skating and surfing and mountain bike riding kind of community. I thought it might be an opportunity, Emma, for you just to uh, share some a story about um, working with uh, our young rangatahi, particularly this, the skating community. You've got a story, I think, to share that I think people would really enjoy listening to. 
Yeah, well, here at Matukutakutaka, we're located opposite the temporary skate park on the corner of Wakefield Avenue and Nayland Street. Um, and soon we're going to have a super new skate park built right opposite the library here, which we're all very excited about. Um, and one day it occurred to my colleague Maria Lise that most of our rangatahi were big skateboarders and that they probably didn't realise that we carry the Thrasher skateboarding magazine as part of our collection. So um, one day Maria Lise showed them the, the magazine the next time they're in the library and they took out all the available copies. They were so excited by it. They had no idea we carried it and they, they were really pleased to be able to take home copies. Um, and then a week or so later, some of these young men approached Marylise and showed them a clip of a skateboarding movie they'd just made on their phones. Um, and then they asked whether they might be able to have the premiere screening of the film here at Matuku Takotako Samna Centre. So we took down their details and arranged a Friday late afternoon slot for them to set up in our pariro room upstairs. Um, and they invited their friends along and they brought snacks and we set them up and just sort of left them to it, occasionally checking in but not wanting to be hovering over them. Um, and they had such a wonderful time and we got a really lovely email from one of their fathers um, the following week saying how much the boys had all enjoyed it and how it made them feel really special and made their, their skateboarding film just feel that much more special to be able to have um, shown it in a big space like this. Um, and we've also, it was a good chance to them to talk about other um, AV facilities in the wider network like at Tauranga and they're really excited to keep going further with their skateboarding movie. So it was a really nice way to bring the really get the inside and outside um, connecting in that way. Thank you to Annie and the team at Matuku Takotako Sumna Centre. The 1st of March meant no more fines for Christchurch City Library members. We sat down with our Head of Libraries, Carolyn Robertson, to hear more about what this means. Ah, kia ora koutou. Um, my name is Carolyn Robertson and I'm Head of Libraries and Information for Christchurch City Council. And we've got actually quite a significant change, um, and this is to do with library fines, I understand. Um, so, Carolyn, could you tell us a little bit about what are library fines? This change in terms of library fines is happening, and what it relates to is the fines for adult um, adults borrowing uh, any physical library items. So that means books to the to, to the public, but it could be books, it could be magazines, it could be DVDs, any range of items that you can borrow physically as opposed to digitally. Mm. So it's and it's fines for adults. Uh, we have had fines free for children, um, children from births up into eighteen years for a long time at Christchurch City Libraries. Mm. So we're really delighted that we can extend that now into into adults. Wonderful. Thank you, Carolyn. Um, so not only does this mean that there are no more late fines if something is returned past its due date, it also means that if you have had overdue fines on your library card over the last few years, those have all been cleared now. For more information about this change and anything else to do with Christchurch City Libraries, please see our website, ChristchurchCityLibraries.com. So I think that this episode has really demonstrated the significance of the physical spaces that libraries provide for community building. And yes, COVID has meant that we have had to cancel a number of our events, but I'm very pleased to say that at the time of recording, we do have a couple of special Sea Week events uh, that you can pop along to. So on Monday, March the 8th at New Brighton Library, uh, there's a, an outdoor 
COVID-friendly event, a special Sea Week Wā Kōrero Story Times. And on Saturday, the 12th of March, the Blake Foundation is hosting a drop-in session uh, where kids can experience their underwater virtual reality environment. And so that's from 12.30 to 2.30pm. Things do change quickly, uh, sometimes more quickly than we can edit this radio show. So again, do check out our website for the latest information. Until next time, kaki te ano.